Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, everyone, and welcome to History Dweebs. I am Tim. Welcome to the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. And the topic of our podcast today is the mysterious Princess Caribou. Princess Caribou was a young lady who, a homeless young lady who, back in the 17th century, convinced everyone in the town of Amundsbury, England, and also outside of Amundsbury, that she was the mysterious Princess Caribou from the Far East, Brandy. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, hey, you know, if you could convince people of it, more power to you. Well, you got people convinced that we got people convinced we're podcasters. Well, yeah. So, well, we got people convinced she's the queen of some benevolence place. So. <laughs> some benevolence place. Yes. Yeah. That was a well thought out statement. Uh, we are a podcast, a true crime comedy podcast. Well, sometimes true crime, not always true crime. And we, but we do use uh, very adult, rarely comedy, Timmy. We we do use adult language. So if adult language, I damn right you, we do. If adult yeah, language, if you catch on fire here or not, just stick around. We got a good tale for you. <laughs> if and Gabby. If um, adult language offends you, pl- please check out one of the other fine independently produced podcasts out there, such as our good friends with They Walk Among Us, Already Gone, Insight, and many, many more, Brandy. We have a lot of good friends in podcasting. Don't talk who, to strangers, Timmy. We got, don't yeah. talk to strangers. We have, so, we have a lot of podcasting friends who are so much more successful than we are, Brandy. What do you think I, about that? I feel like it's Chuck's fault. <laughs> yeah, he's it's holding. All, he's holding us back, politics. Randy. It's all politics to me. It's it is. Is that how come we never get mentioned on any 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 magazine or online articles that deal with podcasting? We're never mentioned. Is that yeah, why never mentioned? Timmy, maybe because, because we're not that good. You ever think of that? No, we're like the Sex Pistols of podcasting, Timmy. I nice. see the punk punk rock of podcasting. But yeah. you know what? Sex Pistols, people know who they are. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Let me introduce our panel. Uh, I am happy to introduce a lady who really needs no introduction. She's a, uh, she is part of royalty in her own right. The very lovely and talented woman who is known throughout the land as Brandy the Benevolent. 
Her Majesty Queen Brandy the First. How are you, Queen Brandy? Well, the first. you know, Timmy, yes, the first mm-hmm. is probably mm-hmm. the only. And the last, uh, hopefully. And the last, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, getting ready for Christmas. So. You celebrate Christmas, though? She yes. is not a part of the war on Christmas like you are, Colonel. That's true. I'm tired of We are part of the war on Christmas, Timmy. I yes. declared war on a couple of years ago. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Uh, as of now, not it's kind of a draw. <laughs> we, you are impending, in, in, in interrupting Impe- Brandy. Yeah, impeding Brandy time, Charles. Oh, this is Brandy time. With Brandy time. Okay, what? Well, I said <laughs> getting ready for Christmas. <laughs> keep going, Devil. Keep going. Yeah. What else, Brandy? <laughs> <laughs> so you're ready yeah. for Christmas. Is young, Noah, is young Noah ready for Christmas? Young Noah is so ready for Christmas. He's very, yeah, he's really ready. He's going to make out like bandits. Both my kids are going to make out like bandits this year. And how about Dave? Did you buy him something nice? Or are you offering him uh, physical pleasure for Christmas? Yeah. No, I got him a couple of Yankee candles. Oh. Yankee candles? <laughs> they're going to put it, <laughs> see, they're going to put it in their uh, tiny house. Is this one of those things? Where you buy a gift for him that you want? No, 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 no. He has, I, you know, he, he's very hard to buy for. My husband, just if he wants something, he just buys it. So he's he's very difficult to buy for, and he's fairly low maintenance. But Perhaps you, you should know. go away for a weekend. Maybe that could be your gift to him. I mean, you, take, know, you know, both of you go away. I don't mean just I, you go away. Of course, that, that would have been a gift as well. That would be a big gift, yeah. <laughs> well, we do that every once in a while. Everybody takes a vacation. We all go our separate ways for a week or so, and that's not yeah, true. That's I a, have the kids, but. That's the secret then, to a successful marriage, though. Oh, for sure. Is never talking to each other. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. Okay, Colonel, do you think that's an appropriate amount of brandy time? Can you think we can move on now? That's way too much brandy time, Timmy. Well, let me introduce the star of this podcast, a man who what? is <laughs> a man who is known uh, as the moral compass of podcasting. He's, He's the been diva of this podcast is what he is. He's a fucking diva. He was late again today. I was okay. not late. I was on the phone by 10 o'clock, Timmy. Well, we were early. Brandy and I were early, and you weren't here. I was scheduled for 10, Timmy. He is a man what? who has been called, Brandy, an oasis in the desert of despair. He's not been called that, but what I love is, I get this, he's on his way. From fucking where? Is he? <laughs> it's Why? a remote podcast. <laughs> no, I know, but he's on his way. All he's got to do is pick up his fucking phone. That's what I mean. It's a remote podcast. He could do it in yeah. his car. He can, he can do, do it, it on the toilet if he wants. <laughs> but no, I get the thing back. Oh, he's on his way. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Like well, he's, he's, a very, he's a very busy man. He's Nobody else has man. anything going on but him. <laughs> you guys, both of you said 10 o'clock. I was here at 10 o'clock. Yeah, well, that's that's the, that's fair. He he was here on time. I'm, we were just now, But we texted was, and called him. When they was doing Goodfellas, do you think they told Robert De Niro, well, we're going to be shooting at 7 a.m., and then <laughs> called him at 6 a.m. and said, oh, Rob, we're ready for you. Come on down here. No, that's not how it works, Devin. Is, is this one of those, like, 
I've met Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro is a good friend of mine, and you, sir, are no Robert De Niro. <laughs> I do know Robert De Niro. Yes. No. He calls him Bob. <laughs> Bo- Bobby. Mm-hmm. Bobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The he is. Uh, he. What else is he? Oh, he is very the very oh. honorable the Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Walters the third, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman, and I forgot to include her. He's a reverend too, Brandy, a Sorry. man of God, a man of God. Mm-hmm. I am too. So clearly, the uh, you're a man of God. No, you're not. Oh, I've been ordained. I'm good. Yes, sir. And it we'll see if that gets you into heaven. I don't believe it took with you, devil. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's now. If you would say she was a minister in the Church of Satan, Colonel, uh, people would believe that. Whatever, yeah, absolutely. A, a bishop, even. Mm-hmm. A the Pope. A yeah, pope. the Pope of the Devil Church. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Princess Caribou, shall we? Yes. Uh, you didn't ask me how I was even doing. God damn, we skipped that over. God damn. Hey, Colonel, how are you doing, Colonel? I'm not good, well, Jimmy. It's not good, Timmy. <laughs> What's wrong, Colonel? Christmas, Timmy. You don't like Christmas. I'm waging a war. Me and, me and a bunch of other people to, we're waging war on Christmas, Timmy. What? Why are you upset with this this wonderful holiday? I just don't like it, Timmy. I got I got my normal routine. It just goes everything's fine, and then all of a sudden, I got three extra people at my house that I'm not even okay. sure who they are. So the boys are the boys are all home. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not well, you should be that. happy about that. Have the, all the family together and they have think some family it's funny time. To remind me how old I am, and and that I probably won't see another Christmas. So let's enjoy this one. Well, yeah, <laughs> they'll feel that way though. They'll feel that way about you. One year they'll be right. Exactly. That's what I tell. <laughs> then they'll feel bad, and the shame of it is they won't feel bad. Yeah, because they they all knew that going in that this was your last Christmas together. <laughs> yeah, so we don't because. You know what? You know who you are? You are that crazy fucking World War II guy on soap. The one that still thinks he's in the war. That's fucking you. Do you remember that show? I remember soap, soap. yeah. Yeah. Isn't oh, that I the was that the one that uh World War II all the time? And he was Billy, always talking about Billy Crystal was in that, story. right? Yes. He was. Yes. Yeah. And she had one of them had a dad that's lived with them and he still thought he was back in like World War Two. And so he was always bitching about waging a war on this and waging a war on that and dragging around his dead taxidermy dog. That's Chuck. Ah, okay. That's, I, I remember Mary part. Hartman and Mary Hartman. That, that was a spinoff, right? From that show. I, it was. Yeah. yeah, you remember Mary Hartman, right? I Chuck? do indeed, Timmy. Hmm. All right. That's old. But, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about Princess Caribou, the mysterious Princess Caribou. Let's do Brandy. that to me. She sounds interesting. She sounds enthralling to me. She's mysterious, girl. Mysterious, yeah. The village of Almondsboro is in southwest no. England. That's not even the name, is it? Nope. Almondsbury. Oh, whatever. No, not whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's clutch. <laughs> it has a population of just under 5,000 people, Brandy. Not much happens in this sleepy English village. It was established in 1082. 
Your thoughts on that, Randy? It's a long time ago. Yes. It's very but old. In, I want to move to a sleepy English village, Timmy. I feel like uh, this is more of a hamlet, don't you? You think it's a hamlet? I think, I think what's I think the difference between a village and a hamlet? I don't know. Look at that, Colonel. Now, Timmy, right you've you been know. to England. Does Offerin Leanne, does she live in a big city or a sleepy English village? She lives in a small town, but I have never been there. But it's a small little place, yeah, I think. In oh, I uh, c- okay. central, central I England. Seen it. No, I haven't been there yet. I might oh. go, but I haven't been there yet. But in the early 19th century, the village. She's not Irish, Timmy. I know, yeah, I know. She's not Irish. She is not. <laughs> For years, I've been saying a fine. She's not Japanese either. Huh? Yeah, but she doesn't have a name that makes you believe she's Japanese. Oh, I see. You think she is... Uh, false uh, advertising, think? Timmy. I see. You, she's falsely presenting herself as Irish, is what you're saying. Yes, indeed. Planning? Well, well, I, will, I will talk to her about that. She's got a brand new baby niece. Just oh, this yay! Young Robin was born just this week. Cool. Now, Robin right. is an English name. See, that's... Yes. that's True, like Robin Hood. Everybody knows he was English. <laughs> True. All right, but in the early 19th century, the village of Amundsbury be- became the envy of the country, Brandy, when a mysterious hmm. woman arrived in the small town, leading locals to believe she was a princess from the Far East. Hmm. The woman would become become known as Princess Caribou, and she would soon captivate the citizens of Almondsbury with her beauty and strange behavior. I like Why women who are beautiful and have strange behavior. What? Yeah. Well, it, if that, they're beautiful, it doesn't matter if they have good behavior, strange behavior, bad behavior. Yeah, but strange really behavior—they're kind of freaky. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a plus, that's Brandy. A plus. That's plus points. Mm-hmm. Brandy, have you, have, are you having that Dave ever get freaky? Really? No, do you? That's what I'm asking. Well, I mean, I suppose it depends on your definition of freaky. If you're talking about pulling in, you know, circus little people and <laughs> donkeys <laughs> and whatnot. No, not so much. <laughs> oh, shoot, I thought you was going to have a story to tell us. Anyway. Yeah, you're just not oh. living, devil. You kind of you, you were kind of leading us on there. Yeah, Make you were. Think. She's a tease, Colonel. She's a tease. More false advertising, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Women tease people. You know, they just show up and they walk down the street. They're they're teasing me, Colonel. Mm-hmm. They just show oh, up, walk down the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just shopping. Just walking. Malls. Yeah, they it's want it, Colonel. You know they want it. <laughs> they do. They just not saying it. <laughs> All right, so in 1817, uh, 1817, an exotic and mysterious woman suddenly appeared in the village of Almsbury, England. On the evening of Thursday, I see I even got the fucking day of the week in this thing. 200 years oh. ago, Colonel, and I've got the day of the week. you got to be <laughs> impressed with that. That's pretty goddamn impressive. Right. Thanks, but he can't Colonel. get the town's name right. <laughs> it, the town is whatever Timmy calls it, goddammit. <laughs> Thank you, Colonel. Timmy on Thursday, here. on Thursday, Brandy, September twelfth, eighteen seventeen. They probably had Thursday night football on. Oh, for a, sure. A young woman wearing a colorful eastern dress was seen wandering through the sleepy village 
of Almsbury. Uh, I don't know the next word. Uh, near uh, Bristol, which is eight miles north of Bristol, England. She was wearing a black stuff gown with a Muslim Muslim frill at the neck. Muslim. A red, okay, a red and black shawl around her shoulders, and a black cotton shawl on her head. She's warm. God damn, she was just a black cat away from being a whole witch. <laughs> It was Black September. It was early September, people, so yeah. you have to think it's not that cold. She was carried a she carried a bundle under her arm containing a few necessities, Brandy, including soap and a few half pennies and a bad sixpence. So like a counterfeit coin or whatever. Right. Uh, I, and and some of these um and in, in some of the, the stories I read, she was carrying soap. The other said that she had soap sewn into her dress. So I don't know which. So we is, couldn't really get clarification on that point. No, there was conflicting reports, Colonel. You know, I always so try a soap controversy going on here. Yeah, so I like to make that known in case people would, you know, come back later and question my research because it it either she was carrying the soap or she had it sewn into her dress. Somehow the soap was on her. She had soap. Yeah. But the soap okay. is uh, no longer relevant to the story. It was just right. Okay. Just a fact. <laughs> ain't got a goddamn thing. To, that's research, Timmy. Thank you. When you're Colonel. throwing in things, it ain't even got a goddamn thing to do with anything. I should have checked. I should have checked the re- uh, the weather report for Thursday, September twelfth, eighteen seventeen, <laughs> though, because then it would made her. Because if if it was warm out and her behavior was even uh, more strange because she was so um, carefully dressed. Anyway, uh, she was described. Here's a physical description of her. Uh, her head, her head was small, and uh, of uh, uh, Grecian character. Brandy is that the word? Grecian, Grecian character. Uh, her eyes and hair were raven black. Her delicate eyebrows finely arched. She had the nice eyebrows, Brandy. Sounds like her eyebrows were spot on, Brandy. It it does. Sounds like they were on point. There was, was, Timmy, I would go so far as to say there was a spliff. Oh, nice, Colonel. Nice word. And her complexion uh, was of rich coloring of a tropical clime. Her her small, well-shaped hands indicated... Oh, I like me some well-shaped hands, Timmy. (laughs) Indicate, you know who has well-shaped hands? Michelle Johns. She looks like she has some well-shaped hands. Michelle Johns has some well-shaped everything, Tim. She's very beautiful. She is, she's she's going to be the next Mrs. Walters. Everybody I know, knows I that. Know, I know. No, no she's not, because she does God's work, and you are the shit word. I so love You let her I, speak for herself. I, yeah. She will not be influenced by your bitter, vile... Oh, she will. Tongue, over there, forked tongue woman. <laughs> Actually, uh, forked tongue women are very popular. Her small, well-shaped hands indicated both breeding and innocence, Brandy. Innocence of any kind of work. Right. Yeah, much like you, Double. Well, hey, whatever. She was a trifle below middle height and... Of the most exotic and elegant figure. Your thoughts on that, Brandy? She was a she was a short, thick girl with uh, 
with tanned skin and and uncalloused hands. I don't yes. know where you're getting where you got thick from, but Timmy, that, that's some prose right there. You just oh, thank you. I was just quoting. So, was it wasn't quoting. her. It wasn't his prose. Yeah, I was <laughs> quoting someone at the time who was describing her. I think a local uh, newspaper or something. I'm sure a man. Go ahead. They, they gave me a bonus, Timmy. Villagers watched as the woman in her mid-twenties, oh, that's perfect age, knocked at the door of the cottage, the home of a village cobbler. Uh, Colonel, your thoughts on uh, uh, cobbling as a profession? Well, he's a village cobbler. I don't know if he was peach or cherry. I think he made shoes. Oh, okay. You know, you just can't find a good cobbler anymore, Timmy. No, you can't. Okay, Brandy, he's got a point boots. there. If you go on Angie's list, you can't find a cobbler. You can't find a goddamn cobbler. I had a, I had a pair of boots. I took them to get uh, some new uh, soles put on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to take the devil to get a new sole put on her, too. But they wanted more than the boots cost to put soles on them. That's because what I mean. Specialized work. Fucking cobblers. Yeah. They could charge whatever they want because there's only a handful of them. They didn't charge me. Well, anything. I would like to say this. We are anti-cobbler so on this yourself. on this podcast. If you're a cobbler, we invite you not to listen to our show. <laughs> yeah. If you're a cobbler, good day. Cobbler. Cobbler. Good day. <laughs> yeah. God. Ain't no ain't nobody wants no cobblers up in here. <laughs> so I <laughs> we're willing to we we are willing, Brandy, to make a stand against cobblers. We will. And, you are, and even not- if it even if it costs us, uh, you know, our cobbling listening listening audience, we are willing to make a stand, right, Colonel? Goddamn right. And if there's any carriage makers out there, get the fuck out of here. We don't <laughs> want you either. Jesus yeah. God, fuckers. Why don't you go to the blacksmiths next? <laughs> no, might. I like blacksmiths. We got a blacksmith that listens to us. Oh, yeah, we do. We love blacksmiths. Anyway, she goes up to this cobbler's house and knocks on his door, and then she starts uttering strange words, Brandy. Mm Mm-hmm. She talked in a language that no one could understand, much like myself. But her (laughs) signs, but by her signs. She got the magic Timmy but by her signs, the cobbler realized that she was asking for food and shelter. So, give it, you know, even though we're anti cobbler, you know, you got to give him credit. He, he was able to decipher her ramblings to know that she wanted food and shelter. Well, she was probably shaking her boobs and whatnot, Timmy. Like, mm. shaking her boobs, pointing to her mouth. Boobs, given sandwich. <laughs> given some bread and milk. She also mined that she wanted to sleep. However, the cobbler's wife, fucking cobbler. Oh, you know, the only thing worse than a cobbler is that wife, Timmy. (laughs) You know, she She was a mean woman. Oh, you know it. Those fucking cobbler's wives. Have you ever read? uh, Have you ever read that novel, Brandy, The Cobbler's Wife? No. Sometime you should. Sometime. Yeah, a cobbler's maid's tale. Yeah, <laughs> had you had you went to a proper university, yeah, you would have had to exactly. read exactly. Yeah, had you not slept with your English professor, you might have read a <laughs> book or two. <laughs> so anyway, um, 
the wife was not happy about letting, uh, you know, Princess Caribou into the home. Um, so she says, no, I'll take her to go see the overseer of the poor. Now, that is a, another uh, occupation that person that we're opposed uh, to on this podcast is overseer, overseer of the poor, Brandy. Yeah, yeah. The poor need to be, well, sometimes you got to wrangle the poor, Timmy. You ain't got to oversee them, but you got to wrangle them. So anyway, my guess what happened, Brandy, is Princess uh, Caribou showed up with her uh, well-shaped hands. And the the cobbler's wife says, fuck this. You're not staying here. I'm not taking those you hands. Over. No, 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 no. I know those hands are for evil. Get those um, hands out of here, those soft, uncalloused hands. Mm-hmm. And when they're small, they make the thing look bigger, Timmy. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm going to take you to the overseer of the poor, which she did. And uh, and the overseer of the poor was a guy by the name of Mr. Hill, whose job it was to bring anyone suspected of vagrancy before the justice of the peace. Well, that overseer of the poor, he's the man, Colonel, basically. He is. A, and we are in favor of the poor on this show, Timmy. We are. We are. Well, we don't like blacksmiths, but we're, we're pro-poor. And we don't no. like cobblers. We don't like cobbler. peach cobbler. We I don't like want people to be poor, but if you are right. poor, we are. We are we're, not gonna, we're not going to arrest them for vagrancy and take them to the justice of the peace. Exactly. Brandy would do that. Oh, Brandy probably would. was an over. Have you ever been an overseer of the poor, Brandy? Not or a that tax I collector. <laughs> yeah. Not that I can recall. Yeah. Okay, so the overseer of the poor, Mister Mister Hill, took her to No Park House. That was the home of San- Samuel Worrell, who was the town clerk of Bristol and a magistrate. So she, he took. She took. Mister Hill took her to basically the town cop, right? Judge, whatever. Being kindly people, he was kindly people, him and his wife. His wife, Elizabeth, gave the woman hospitality and tried to discover more about her background, but to no avail, Brandy. That mean I know you didn't take English class, but that means uh, they didn't get anywhere with it. Right, Colonel? Right. They didn't mm-hmm. just didn't make any headway. Did mm-hmm. not work, devil, to no avail. Yeah. Uh-huh. At first, it was obvious the woman could not remain at their house. She was a homeless girl oh, with a counterfeit coin in her pocket, Brandy. And it was out of the question for someone in a Royale's position, you know, he was a magistrate, to well, harbor I'll, some yeah, to harbor someone who could be a criminal. Because she harbor, had this harbor means let you stay there, devil. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because he was a magistrate, he could not let her stay stay there because she had some uh uh, counterfeit coin on her. That's always sketchy. Uh, mm-hmm. However, she made a quite an impression on his wife, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth arranged for the woman to be given a room at the local inn called The Bowl, Brandy. That was the name of the inn. And by the way, that inn is still in uh, this little town in England. I looked it up. The Bowl still exists. So Imagine if you ever get in... Remod- I hope they've done um, some remodeling. If, <laughs> I hope so. If I get over to England to uh, see the lovely Leanne, perhaps I'll stay at the bowl, Brandy. Your okay. thoughts on that? 
I, I, I don't. It just reminds me of you yammering about Camilla Parker. Are you Bowl. even part of this podcast anymore? <laughs> just, would you I'm pay just, attention, goddammit? I say, am. I'm just listening that, to you two yammer on. I have no thoughts on this. I don't give a shit. Just keep on go, keep it moving. We would like if you don't give a shit, our audience is not going to give a yeah, shit. We would love you. your input, Brandy. Timmy, when you when you're doing these scripts from now on, and, and I enjoy your prose, Timmy. It's thank you. It's Kurt. very um, oh, it's enlightening. Uh, enlightening. It it it's, it's, it's very Walden-esque, Timmy. Thank you. Thank you. In into the woods. Uh, but you. you're going to have to dumb it down if you want the devil to be cooperating in here. Because she's looking at this kind of with a mouth open, just like, what's that word mean <laughs> right there? So we're going to have to dumb, dumb it down for a little bit. We're sorry, devil. You know what? This is our fault, not yours. Okay? <laughs> Your thoughts on that, Brandy? First of all, <laughs> you, two, you two can suck my dick. Because you, Charles... Piss and moan and can't, you know, complete a fucking thought to save your ass or stay on track for anything in this world. And Timmy can't pronounce half the shit that he puts on the motherfucking page. So I know what the goddamn words mean, and I can say ninety-nine percent of them. So let's. Brandy, you see, you seem a little defensive. That's that's my takeaway from that. How about you? You do seem. I believe you two seem a bit attacky. Are you having your? Are you having your period, devil? It's not Shark Week. No. Okay. Well, it's a bad, you know, it's a bad time to have it around Christmas. It is. You sh- you should plan it not to have it around then. Well, okay. You need some pomegranates <laughs> to drink cranberry juice or something. Well, she needs to plan it out a little better. Jesus. Yeah, you do. You know, I, 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 it's, I, it, I had you to know, there's a lot to be said for period control, right, Colonel? Wait, there is. We're anti-period yeah. on this show. Wait a minute. And again, here we are. You're ripping at me because I don't know the words. And yet, Somehow we've got on my period. <laughs> well, I, people oh, are interested in your in your personal. I can't. Life. I can't imagine why we're not in Entertainment Weekly every fucking week. <laughs> yeah. I can't either. It 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 blows my mind. It does at at okay? So uh, she stays at the bowl now. At the time, uh, this it, uh, the bowl had at the time. Botanical prints were the rage, Brandy, and popular in this in decorative decor. Uh, and the wall on the bowl in the, in this little hotel, this little inn, uh, there was a picture of a pineapple. Now the woman, this mysterious woman, pointed to the picture and said, "Nanas, nanas," uh, which is apparently Indonesian for pineapple, or at least they thought it was. The effect. I think bananas. it's bananas. They're wrong. <laughs> the effect was electrifying, Brandy. Uh, the witnesses were convinced that the exotic fruit was from the mysterious stranger's homeland, and then they assumed that she was from Asia. I Jeez. can understand why you assume that. I mean, you know, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, she shows up, and she's got the small hands, Colonel. Yeah, those little tiny hands. Mm, sexy hands. I, I like women with small hands, Timmy. Mm-hmm. And a good manicure. Well, that's important. It is important. You get your French tips on there. Oh. And she she had her eyebrows that was on fire. Today. Oh yeah, her eyebrows were Don't on. Forget point. about the so eyebrows. She, she, so so, Princess Caribou is looking hot. She's now, basically what the devil strives to be. 
Really? So Elizabeth, really? Elizabeth, you know, the, the uh, magistrate's wife, she knows that the young lady has some curious habits, Brandy. Long head. Uh, excuse him while he's vaping. Um, including an interest in Chinese imagery, imagery, sleeping on the floor, and going to the roof and praying every hour. Now, if you're homeless and you're poor, is sleeping on the floor really a peculiar habit? Well, but they had a bed for her, and she refused. She also liked to dig dirt from the Royals, uh, Royals Garden and spread it on their floor in their home. When uh, Mrs. Royal from the Royal Garden, <laughs> when she was preparing a meal consisting of flounder, the woman became hysterical, Brandy. Well, maybe she was vegetarian. She had to stop preparing the meal, and the woman took the half-cooked fish uh, to their garden and buried it. Your thoughts on that, Brandy? That seems a bit excessive for a fucking fish, but I've buried more than one goldfish in the backyard. So I don't think it was a goldfish, but it might have been. I don't have well, it doesn't the... matter if it was a fish. She, right. It was a flounder. It wasn't a goldfish. I'm just saying I've buried fish in the backyard before, so I really can't say much. The next morning, Mrs. Royal sat down with the young woman, hoping to discover something about her, Brandy. But no one could understand her language, either written or spoken. Nana's is a hard one to figure out. <laughs> Until after some time and great effort. Somehow, the young woman came to understand what was desired of her, and she uh, pointed to herself and cried, Caribou, caribou. Which what is buffalo, else? but go ahead. It's <laughs> not a buffalo, it's an elk. Whatever. It, yeah, when, if you would have gone to biology class or whatever oh it is, God. and I slept with the professor, you would know this stuff. I didn't know she slept with all of her professors. That was just economics professors. Well, she got a college degree, don't you, Timmy? I think we just make things up as we go along. That's a good point, Colonel. That's a real good point. When anyone asked her a question, a young lady would repeatedly point with her great with great vigor, almost shout the word caribou, caribou. This kind of reminds me of this kind of reminds me of oof. Maybe she's slow. Well, the good folks of Amundsbury begin calling the woman Princess Caribou, which makes so, sense, yeah, Brandy. they've given her a promotion. Well, given, you, know, you know, there's nothing indicating any of this, but okay. The woman refused to eat meat or porridge, Brandy. Your thoughts on mm-hmm. that? God damn, there wasn't much left. <laughs> she only right. drank tea and ate raw vegetables. So give her a potato, she's fine. Ooh, a raw, ooh, ooh, a raw potato. Mm-hmm. She preferred rice to bread. Well, who doesn't, Colonel? She ate no meat, Colonel, drank only water and tea, and was very fond of Indian curry. Indian curry? Yeah. Oh. Mm. To curry favor with her, you could give her curry, Brandy. <laughs> to curry favor, Excellent. that's a good one. She refused a pigeon that was well-dressed. Was it tux? Is it in a tux? I <laughs> pigeons in a tux. No, I think they meant. I think they used to eat pigeons, right? So, do they still eat pigeons? Yeah, goddamn, sure they're a delicacy do. in some places, Timmy. Because they eat pigeons on uh, Game of Thrones, don't they? It's hard to find I'm... a good pigeon. And eat you crow, gotta cook them just right. 
a little bit gamey. But having a live one put in her hands, she cut off its head, which she buried together with the blood under uh, with its blood under the earth. And then she's like burying things, don't we? And she ate. The, she then dressed and ate the other part. So she took off the, the she put pigeon's the head, and then mm-hmm. ate and then dressed the other part up weird and ate it. Mm-hmm. The locals gather around, watch her eat, and became transfixed by her behavior. Brandy. Well, I guess there's no television. Well, yeah. Goddamn. At any one time, walking around you now. <laughs> right. At any one time, there would be as many as two dozen people observing her. Well, that would get a little annoying, wouldn't it, Brandy? It does get annoying, Timmy. It does oh. get annoying. People asking you for autographs, just wanting to touch you. Lay so the paparazzi was probably out with for uh, yeah. Mrs. Uh, Princess Caribou. Whenever someone sought her advice or blessings, she would simply nod her head and repeat her name, Caribou, Caribou. Why and are they seeking this woman's advice when she's got one word? <laughs> Well, they think she's this princess from the from the far east. I mean, but she's not telling him anything. It's like seeking advice from fucking Hodor on Game of Thrones. He's got one fucking word that he uses. Well, same with her. All right, the locals were so grateful to have royalty in their midst. Right. Well, yes. Duh. Mister Royale, however, was still unsure and declared he felt that the woman was a beggar. And who should be taken to Bristol and tried for vagrancy. So he's not, you know, he's not playing. He thinks she's a, she thinks she's a fraud. Soon after a word got out about the strange visitor, the good people of Amundsbury were so curious and anxious to meet her. Uh, she was visited by throngs of people, Brandy. Throngs of people. More than have, you ever, have you ever been visited by throngs? Uh, once. It was a long time ago, and I like been to visited by thongs. She's vis- she's wore thongs. Really, before. Snoop Dogg yeah. over there. Really, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just people saying. people would line up for miles outside the the magistrate's home to have an audience with the local celebrity. Your thoughts on that, Brandy? These are people with a lot of time on their hands. The peasants again. Need she to has be one- a little more, little more. Uh, a little less bothersome to the celebrity, Timmy. Well, she's well, a prince. That's why I don't like she's Christmas, got... Timmy, because I got to go out Christmas shopping, and everybody's like, oh, is that the car? No, is that the car? And I try to be... Oh, I can imagine it is hard for him, Brandy, to go it's out in public. It's not easy. It's just not easy. People want to touch you, kiss you right on the mouth, Colonel, I bet. Oh, they do. They do. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of people... <laughs> Can't even get through the... Through the Sia store. Down does uh, Mrs. Colonel get upset when women try to touch you and Mrs. Colonel? She generally me. encourages things like that. Timmy, oh, well, okay. I'm saying it's good PR or something. I'm not really sure what she forces <laughs> after that. Hundreds of people visited Princess Caribou each day, Brandy. They brought a variety of gifts, and many brought their children so that they could see a real princess. So they could tell their grandchildren that they saw a real princess, Brandy. Uh-huh. You might want to take – you would probably take young Noah to see her, for example. Noah could give a shit about seeing a princess. <laughs> it wasn't long before the city fathers decided to hold a festival to celebrate their good fortune of hosting such a d- distinguished visitor. A three-day festival was held in the village of Amundsbury in honor of Princess Caribou. So, 
She's a big deal, Brandy, at this point. Yeah, I guess. The guests of honor presided over uh, all the events and seemed genuinely delighted, Brandy. Uh, locals swore Princess Caribou was the biggest thing to happen in Almsbury since the Church of St. Mary the Virgin was built and dedicated in 1140 AD. So 600 years, Brandy, she was the biggest thing that happened. You know, I think I realized what we got going on here, Timmy. You didn't? I thought the devil was just, you know, not engaged in this whole story. Mm -hmm. But uh, I believe she might be jealous, too. Uh, Because a princess was more popular than her, than the queen of the benevolency. Well, I mean, this the Princess Caribou was the biggest thing to happen in this town six hundred years. So yeah. So here's yeah. the thing: if I went to some little backwards place in the middle of nowhere and started <laughs> just yelling out "Caribou and Nanas," <laughs> I could have a festival too. Well, yeah, but your hands are not as nice. No, oh no. my, you got nice. those big and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar hands, palm <laughs> basketballs and whatnot. My nails look nice. I'm on it. The woman was taking good eyebrows. I'll give you that one, devil. I do have good eyebrows. So the magistrate was insistent that this woman was a fraud. So he took her to Bristol to be examined by the mayor and then on to St. Peter's Hospital, which cared for vagrants. Uh, When shown her bed. Bed. When shown her bed for the evening, the princess appeared confused. The stranger appeared not to understand the bed's function. Instead of getting, uh, instead, uh, she got down on the floor to sleep. It was not until a nurse showed her showed her how to how comfortable the bed was uh, that she lay down on the bed. After uh, she went to the hospital's roof to pray, she laid on the bed and went to sleep. So she pray, still praying on the roof, Brandy. Your thoughts on that? Now closer to God. <laughs> James Taylor wrote a song about Princess Caribou. <laughs> Up on the roof. Up on the roof. Okay, Brandy, tell us what happens next in this uh, this tantalizing tale. Yes, well, Princess Caribou's behavior at the hospital was very odd, to say the least. She became resistant to her doctor's care and caused so many problems for their and caused a lot of problems for the staff at the hospital. I would just like to point out this: the sentence was Princess Caribou's behavior at the hospital was odd. Colonel, you've got the script in front of you. Do you see anywhere where I say at the very least? Is that in there no. at all? Could you stick to this? Don't you know what, Devil? If we want you to write scripts, we'll ask you. Don't improvise. Timmy you, has prose. Uh, do, did they all, get when Shakespeare? Do you really, they, want, me read, do they really say, want me to read exactly how it's written? I really need to take my blood pressure medicine because <laughs> please stick to the script. Yeah, are you the? Did, is she the writer, Colonel? No, is that no, William no. Shakespeare no, on play. the other end of this call? <laughs> exactly, exactly, Timmy. To be or, you know, at the very least, to be or, you know, to not to be, whatever. I don't know. No, they say to be or not to be. Thank you. When you're doing Shakespeare, you do Shakespeare. Thank you, Colonel. Now do some Shakespeare for us, devil. All you have to do is read, talk. Just just sit there, look pretty and read. God damn it. We only ask two things. Continue, Brandy. 
Are you not? Because I stopped listening. Okay. At the overcrowded professionalism. dirty hospital, she declined all kinds of food and eventually refused to even look at her doctors. Because that works. That's odd. Fascinated and brought, brought various foreigners who tried to decipher her language, but none were successful. A local anthropologist, Conrad Pritchard, proclaimed that Princess Caribou was definitely a member of an ancient Indonesian tribe thousands of miles away from home. Another local expert, Andrew McMichaels, refuted the claim and declared that Princess Caribou was definitely a member of the Yanomami tribe found in the Amazon. Uh, the two men started disputing each other's claims and insulting each other. Uh, this resulted in a duel, and Professor, I'm sorry, and Professor Pritchard was shot in the groin. No, that's dirty <laughs> nothing worse than being right shot there. in the groin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, after a week at the hospital, Miss Worrell again intervened and took Princess Caribou to stay at her husband's offices in Bristol, where she remained for 10 days in the care of her husband's housekeeper. Again, troops of foreigners and supposed language experts were brought in to see her without result until at last there was some progress. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. By now, word had spread uh, beyond Almondsbury of the attractive foreign stranger and curious members of society came as far away as London to visit the woman now known as Princess Caribou. The stranger was being treated like a visiting head of state. Yeah, so she's very important. I think it's, 
I think it's exciting. I would I would love to go visit her if I if I was there at that point in time. So I would go of Iran at your house. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. After a couple of weeks, Princess Caribou was introduced to a Portuguese sailor, Manuel Inicio, who could apparently understand her language. Really, he translated <laughs> her story. The woman claimed to be Princess Caribou of Javasu. An island in the Indian Ocean. Mm, been there. Mm. Been, been kidnapped. From, of course, you have. Who had been kidnapped from her home by pirates and held captive on their ship. She claimed to have escaped by jumping overboard into the Bristol Channel and swimming ashore. That must have been terrifying. Well, yes. For ten weeks, Princess Caribou danced exotically for all the magistrate's friends. Used a bow and arrow, fenced, prayed to her god on the roof, whom she named Allah. Tala, there mm-hmm. you go. That's and even the big, swam. Naked. That's the big Allah. You got mm-hmm. yeah. Allah shorter. Allah tall. <laughs> Allah. Yep. Uh, let's see. And she was uh, swimming naked in the lake for all to see. So just mm. kind of jumping mm. in the lake. Right. Like the guy. <laughs> like the guy to uh, look at that, Colonel. <laughs> yeah. You know she's all bushy oh. down there. Too. Oh, and you know she's got those hands. Mm-hmm. Those delicate hands. Right. Doggy paddling. Mm, every week. Every week. More and more visitors. Uncalloused hands. <laughs> yeah. Bored in to see the exotic lost princess. Princess Caribou duly responded to the attention with increasingly exotic behavior and elaborate language. And also provided the full dramatic narrative of her abduction by pirates from her native Javasu. Okay. Princess Princess Caribou agreed to write down examples of her language, an example of which was sent to Oxford for analysis. And you can you can see the examples online. You can they actually have the examples. But go ahead. Okay. It was returned soon after as being marked as humbug. (laughs) I guess that's a nice for bullshit. Yeah, I guess I guess the the good folks uh, at Oxford (laughs) wasn't buying it. They, they can, yeah, they got words. Uh, undaunted, the princess had her portrait painted and made herself an elaborate traditional Eastern costume using materials of her choice provided by Miss Worrell. Having been having become something of a celebrity, she acquired exotic clothing, had her portrait painted again, and even had a ball in bath held in her honor. Mm. She had a bath ball. <laughs> she a bath did. Bomb. I had a bad yeah. Time. yeah. Several hundred people attended the ball. With the help of Manuel, uh, the Portuguese with the help of, guy, uh, Inicio's interpretation, Princess Caribou offered her visitors language lessons for a small fee. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, this, so this idiot, she's making up this language. This idiot is translating this language. <laughs> she's teaching it. Yeah. Uh, sure. After several weeks, she seemed very pleased by her students' progress, although many of them seemed just as confused by the language as they did when she started saying it. <laughs> you know. Although, uh, when I say the made-up languages are the hardest to learn, well, I would think so. Yeah. Although, a few, although a few believe that she was really a Javanese princess, her authenticity was attested to by another local anthropologist, Dr. Andrew Wilkinson, who identified her language. Using Edmund Fry's Pentagraphia. Yeah, some kind Mark- of guide. Yeah. Yeah, and 
that the marks on the back of her head were the work of oriental surgeons. Oh, okay. God. By all accounts, Princess Caribou was having a one was having a wonderful and enjoying her celebrity. I read it as written. <laughs> wonderful time, Brandy. Well, I read it as written, fuckers. By now, newspapers were full of descriptions of Princess Caribou, and she'd become a national figure. When King George III became aware of the story, he told his aides that he would like to meet the princess. But this notoriety was to prove her undoing. A Mrs. Neal, who ran a lodging house in Bristol, read the description of the princess in the Bristol Journal and recognized her immediately. A couple of months earlier, the girl had been a lodger at the house, which she which she had kept with her daughters, and she'd sometimes entertain them by speaking her own made-up language. When she left the house, she'd been wearing a homemade turban. Uh, when confronted, well, did they have turban shops that she would just? I think she was just fucking crazy, you know. Yeah. Well, um, so when she was confronted by her landlady, Princess Caribou had no trouble speaking English. Well, she just gave it up right away. (laughs) Yeah, she didn't. Okay, it's the the gig is up. Yeah, yeah. Her ruse, which had gone on for three months, was over. It transpired that the self-styled princess was really Mary Wilcox, who came from Withridge in Devon. In Devon, sorry, she was no princess, but the daughter of a cobbler. A daughter of a cobbler, Colonel. Um, that's what. That's really an insult when you call someone a daughter of a cobbler, isn't it, Colonel? Yes. He's obviously not there. Right. But continue, Brandy. The jig uh, is up for her, it sounds like. There you go. Okay. And he's back. Apparently, she did, she adopted the disguise in the hope that it would make her more interesting. Well, it did. <laughs> it did, yeah. People followed her around. Mission accomplished. The odd marks, good lord, the odd marks on Mary's head were scars from a crude wet cupping operation. Doesn't Gwyneth Paltrow do that? A procedure intended, yeah, a procedure intended to relieve pressure on an overheated brain in which the back of the head was shaved, the skin scarred with parallel blades, and hot glasses applied to catch the blood. Colonel Brandy will never have to worry about having an overheated brain, you think? No, no, it it runs on. (laughs) Pretty much neutral. But you and I, we have. Yeah, we got to get that cupping done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably every other day. I'll do it for you if you want. (laughs) Continue, Brandy. After being discovered by Mary Wilcox, after being discovered, comma, Mary Wilcox grew tired of the fame and expressed a wish to go to America. So Mrs. Worrell generously arranged for her passage to Philadelphia, accompanied by chaperones. So Mrs. Warhol's getting her the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. You know, that was a, she got a free trip to Philadelphia out of the deal. Sure. That's not bad. The journey, however, was not uneventful. Mary's fame was such that she was popularly linked to one of the great romantic figures of the age, Napoleon, then exiled to St. Helena. It was reported in Felix Farley's Bristol Journey in that Mary Wilcox had gone ashore at St. Helena and met Napoleon, who was said to have found her enchanting. Yeah, so on her way over to the U.S., they stopped. Sure they made a stop. He was in exile, yeah. 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 Mary had sailed to, for Philadelphia on Sunday, the 28th of June, 1870. All right, Colonel, Sunday, June 28th, 1870. How do you like that? The day of the weekend there. That's, that's researching there. 
Thank you. If the devil would have researched like that, she wouldn't have had to sleep with every professor she ever had. She was in the company of three strictly religious ladies whom Miss Worrell had asked to take care of her. When she arrived in America, um, she was greeted by an enthusiastic crowd as Princess Caribou. Mary appeared on stage throughout the United States, but was not universally well-received. Her performance received scathing reviews. <laughs> on November 12, 1820, the New York Examiner described her act this strange, exotic creature who goes by the name Princess Caribou stands on stage, mumbles gibberish for three quarters of an hour, and then simply <laughs> walks off stage to the bewilderment of her audience who leaves the theater ten cents poorer. <laughs> so she just goes out, mumbles, <laughs> and leaves. It works for in England, why not here? Kind of like this podcast, girl. question remains... How had this uneducated country girl managed to fool so many people, some of them highly intelligent academics for so long, and perhaps more importantly, why? And for three months, Ms. she had these people. Right. Miss Worrell asked the editor of Felix Farley's Bristol Journal, John Matthew Gulch, uh, let's see, or Gutch, Gutch, sorry, to find out something of the girl's past from Mary herself and from anyone else he could find who knew or had known her. What Gutch found out is perhaps even more interesting than Mary's couple of months fooling people into thinking she was a foreign princess and was published as a book in August that year, selling very well. Yeah, so he did Mary's research to find out what, what the backstory was. Mary's parents were interviewed and corroborated some, but not all, of her own romanticized story of her early life. His father said she always found it difficult to settle down, and every spring and autumn she grew restless. Her father thought that Mary was not quite right in the head and attributed this to her. Oh, and attributed this to her contracting rheumatic fever at the age of 15, which was when he said all of the trouble started. She's 15. Yes. No, no. Yeah. When, yeah that's when she got the fever. Yeah. But come she on. got the fever. She got the fever. Uh, let's see. Mary Baker. Fever in the morning, Colonel. Fever in the afternoon, Timmy. Mm-hmm. I know, Brandy, was- there's been a demand by our audience that uh, Colonel and I sing Midnight Train to Georgia at yeah. the next Dweeb uh, Con. Oh, we're going to get us some tight, glittery pants, okay, Timmy. Okay, so reading this is written, this says Mary Baker, but her name, her name is Wilcox. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Okay. Yeah, but she gets married later on to. But okay, go ahead. but you will mention that. So, you, but yeah, but it, I do later on. Go ahead. Yeah, she's Mary shifty, double. She's shifty. Yeah, Mary. Uh huh. Mary was 26 years old and had been born in 1791 into a very poor family, where six of her brothers and sisters had died young. She probably killed them. From mm-hmm. the age of eight, she was wool spinning and weaving. All right. And occasionally working on that's local what they, That's how my dancing has been described, Brandy. Wool spinning and weaving? Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, later, she worked at a, as a maid in a house in... Oh, I can bust a move. I know you can. I know. Uh, let's see. She was a maid in a house in Exeter, but walked out after eight weeks because the work was just too hard. Uh, she went back home to, to Witheridge, Witheridge but found life there unbearable after her taste of the outside world and ran away after a 
Okay, so she's a little, little, she's a little unstable, Brandy. Right. Well, mm-hmm. now she's depressed. Yeah. And she said she had attempted to hang herself from a tree by her apron strings. What the fuck? But her <laughs> she must have been a tiny woman. <laughs> right. Well, she had tiny hands. Yeah, it's about all. Yeah. Uh, but she heard a voice in her head telling her it was a sin. Oh, OK. But lying's not. She then met a man on the road who felt sorry for her and gave her enough money for three nights lodgings. Yeah, that callous hands. Yeah, in the village of Tauntaun. Tauntaun! Yes, after Tauntaun, she went to Bristol, begging along the way, and then decided to walk to London. She got within 30 miles of the city before collapsing to be given a lift by a wagoner. Colonel, tell us a little bit what a wagoner does. A wagoner is a person who drives a wagon, Timmy. Look at there. Well, damn. They got some horses in the front. They're up on a little seat, and it, it's it's the old timey version of a pickup truck, Timmy. And probably the most famous of the a Wagner is the is the Porter Wagner. Por- the Porter Wagner, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're fucking jackasses. All right, so some Wagner Wagoner, whatever, picks him up. He's got two other girls on there, um, and he takes him as far as Hyde Park Corner. Okay. Here, she again collapses. She gets the vapors a lot. Yeah. Uh, and the two women, realizing that she is very ill, took her to St. Giles Workhouse Hospital, where she was admitted to the fever ward. They have a fever ward, Brandy. Oh, she got God. the fever. That's, that's she had the speci- fever, Timmy. She very had the fever in the yeah. And in the afternoon, Colonel. Yep. Uh, even around supper time. <laughs> yeah. After resting a while, Mary met a gentleman who took her under his care. I bet he did. The gentleman had taken her to London, she said, but abandoned her after a month. Mm-hmm. He got in her pants, Colonel, and he dropped her like a hot well, <laughs> After this, can I, call you curry, can I call you a wagon? <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, after this, after the guy left her, or left, yeah, whatever. Uh, and she went on the town, leading a loose life. A uh, loose life, girl. Ah. This landed her a bed at the Magdalene Hospital for aging prostitutes. <laughs> Man, that's that's when you like know life has dealt you a blow, Colonel. When you end <laughs> yeah. up at the Magdalene Hospital for aging prostitutes, when, when you, oh you know God. your better days are behind you, Timmy. I wonder if they have like a syphilis ward. <laughs> Uh, she was accepted to the home and was given work as a housemaid but a few weeks later she admitted that she'd never been a prostitute she was just slutty <laughs> and she, needed she was just aging she's 26 years old <laughs> so, I think yeah well things were different back then Timmy women grew penises by 28 <laughs> I guess they, they took a look at her and thought that she was, had a pretty hard life and, yeah the officials let's just take you to the hospital for the aging (laughs) the old whore home yeah Uh, let's see officials asked her about living relations her father was dead she told them and if they asked her any more about her family she'd hang herself you don't want what visiting hours is like at the home for aging (laughs) I bet they only have red lights (laughs) like eight yeah uh, the records of Magdalene Hospital show her to have been very well behaved during her stay, 
though very eccentric and given to depression and restlessness. This latter was partially true, and she left the hospital in July. According to Mary's story, the next thing she did was set off back home to Withridge, disguised as a man because of the dangers of walking across Huntsville alone. Yeah, yeah, that's smart, Brandy. Sure. She then crossed Salisbury Plain, where, according to her, she was kidnapped by highwaymen. Oh, the fucking highwaymen. Oh, no, not them. Took back to their camp. Who was in the highwaymen? Mm-hmm. What? Wasn't that band? Yeah, there was a band, but highwaymen were like rob, uh, like you know, know, thieves or bandits or whatever. I know what they're talking about here. Mm-hmm. I'm asking that. Oh uh, well, yeah, there was that uh, song "Highwaymen" by uh, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, Chris Christopherson, and Waylon Jennings. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And they kidnapped her. Waylon yeah, Jennings. No, no Waylon Jennings <laughs> didn't kidnap her. Come on, don't be silly. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Uh, when they discovered that she was a girl, they were ready to shoot her. As a police, <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> police spot. They thought she was an informant, she but she begged spy. for her life and was released. Uh, she probably had to give him a BJ, wouldn't you think, Colonel? <laughs> uh, no, because they I, apparently maybe they just don't do that to the women that they do kidnap. Yeah, just, but she had oh, those nice girl. hands, man. She did. She did. Mm-hmm. See, she eventually arrived arrived home in August of eighteen thirteen. <laughs> Her mother found her job working for a leather worker in Tanner in Crediton, a few miles from her village. Hey, she Colonel, left- have you ever did leather work in your life? I've done some some uh, <laughs> tanning. Yes, I mm-hmm. have. Some, he's done some tanning. <clears throat> uh-huh. I'm sure he has. I like to, you know how people do those little embroidery things on just regular, you know, the stuff with the holes in it. What do you call that? Uh, embroidery, I don't know. You know, where you put the little things like, you know, go fuck yourself or whatever, and you put them on a little tapestry. What's that called, devil? You're a woman, you should not have stuff. Do you know what he's talking about? Health of knowledge Hmm. on this subject. Well, I used to do that on leather, Timmy. I just poke a needle. You embroidered, right? Yeah. Okay. You did with leather, okay. All right. After three months, I bet she, Randy's had some experience with leather, Colonel. Oh, you know she has with the assless chaps and the ball <laughs> gag and the ma- gimp mask and uh, your comments, Randy, if any. You fucking idiots! All right, so she left. She objected to having to carry all of the hides. Well, so I don't blame her, Colonel. Hide. You know, this uh, is a young lady here. She's twenty-six years old. She shouldn't be carrying all the hides. But on the on the back side, you know, the on the other side, you just came from the uh, home for aging prostitutes. So, I mean, yeah. you, you don't have a lot going for you, Brandy. I mean, you know, they're yeah. asking you to carry a few hides. Do you put that on a resume? Well, yeah, you're right. a hide carrier. But no, no, you don't no, no, put no. the fact that you were in a hospital for aging. But she worked there. But she worked there. I mean, do you put that on there? I, I would stay That's away from it. Your thoughts, Colonel. I would not carry hide nor hat, Timmy. Thank you, Of course not. After a couple of other jobs, she headed back to London where she worked for a fishmonger. Mm. Mary claimed Nothing that worse than a fishmonger. Yeah. yeah. Mary claimed that while working there. She went from being a whoremonger to a fishmonger. I think she could go back and hook up with the wagoneer myself. But, uh, you know. She claimed that, by, that while working there in the spring of 1814, 
she'd had a love affair with a gentleman called Baker. Uh, oh, that, that's where yeah. the name Baker comes in. There we go. Well, you know. Well, you, th- I, you think that he wouldn't have nothing to do with her after she was banged by all the highwaymen and wagoners in the whole <laughs> fucking country. Yeah. And then speaking that fucked up language. Yeah. Well, and spend time in a hospital for aging prostitutes. Maybe yeah. he was no prize catch. <laughs> you don't think no. Mr. Baker was? Yeah, maybe he was just happy <laughs> to have somebody but, that would put up with his shit. And carried his hides, let's face it. Well, no, he was... No, no, he wasn't the leather guy. No, but maybe he maybe he had his own hides. Well, listen There's to no what inter- Mr. Baker did, Timmy. He may bring hides. He may be bringing some hides to the table. You don't know. <laughs> after two months, Timmy, the, mm-hmm. after he tested the wares for two months. Mm-hmm. They were married. They were married mm-hmm. and lived together in London and possibly oh, nice. at Battle near Hastings. Nice. Then, her husband was sent back to London where he sailed to Calais, promising Calais, to bring yeah. her to France. But that was the last she ever heard of him. He, <laughs> he got out of fucking Dodge, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby, I'm going to send for you just as soon as I can. Get on my feet, Brandy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he went out for a ride and he never came back to me. Mm-hmm. That's what Dave's going to do. Oh, yeah, that's what <laughs> Then here comes Lanning. <laughs> Hello, Lanny's. Yeah. Hello, Brandy. Lanny. Hey, he's spraying. He's got the breast spray. What is it, Bianca or whatever? And uh, Lanny's spraying. He's putting his breast. What is yeah, he's putting his breast spray in. Come, you know, sliding up the Brandy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Whether with his greasy any, hair. That's greasy hair. Spray. One arm. <laughs> he's got the. <laughs> he's got the acting. <laughs> he's got his. Pet boy shirt on. <laughs> yeah, all greasy. Got pizza sauce on the front. <laughs> well, anyway, whether any of this is true remains open to question. But when Mary returned to London by the beginning of 1816, she was pregnant, Timmy. Mm, she was with child, Brandy. She was with child. Yep, that's what that means. Now, she managed to get a job working behind the bar in a pub run by Mrs. Clark, where she called herself Hannah. And developed a reputation for telling strange stories. Hmm. Now, the baby was born in February 1816, where remains a mystery. He was christened John Wilcox, but Mary called him John Edward Francis Baker. Hmm. Now, as there was no father present for support, and Mary had no money. Uh, What's going on? I had to sneeze. Timmy, I apologize. That's okay. My allergies are getting the best of me this Christmas season, Timmy. I'm sorry to hear that, Colonel. So this baby was unsupported, Timmy. No money. Oh. Your thoughts on that, Brandy? That's bullshit. And it was sent to... Mr. Baker skipped out of town. Skipped a country. Not surprising. They were sent to St. Mary's Workhouse. Now, who names a work? What kind of fucked up saint is the patron saint of workhouses? I don't have no. my medallion on my neck. Oh, hmm. let's pray to St. Mary so we can all get thrown in the poor house. Wonder if the house for aging prostitutes had a patron saint. <laughs> and a patron saint. They, you know what? Yeah. They have that retroprocity, reciprocity kind of thing where they just oh. trade people back and forth. Ah, oh, I see. Well, at the workhouse, she was pers- persuaded 
to give the child to the foundling hospital. But to do this, she had to give references, mm-hmm. personal details what? that she did not want it. Something she was never happy doing to me mm-hmm. and say why she could not support the child herself. The few facts she sub- subsequently provided are probably as close to the truth as she ever came. She gave her name as Mary Wilcox. She was unmarried, age 25. She's moving backwards. She's Benjamin Buttons here. <clears throat> and that the father of the child was John Baker, a bricklayer from Exeter. In a more detailed statement given later at the hospital, she said they'd lived together for nine months where he just got the milk instead of buying the cow, Timmy. Your thoughts on that, Brandy? Well, you know, whatever works for you. They lived in Exeter. And then he deserted her, the rap bastard. Hmm. Or maybe nine months was enough. Maybe she just nagged him. Well, the man is, uh, he's obviously a cad, Colonel. He is a cad. So she left the hospital. She found employment again and then visited the child at the Foundling Hospital every Monday, Timmy, like clockwork. (laughs) Until on the 27th of October, the poor child died, Timmy. Now, at this time, she was working for a family called Starling. And Miss Starling remembered her telling them that the child had died at her mother's house. And she said Mary was an excellent service, but out of a goddamn mind. That's what she said. Out of a guy. I can't believe that. Yeah. She described her behavior as eccentric and unusual, always telling the children frightening stories about gypsy, gypsies <laughs> and uh, gypsies and murder and mayhem and fires and torture and whatnot. What's your thoughts on gypsies, Colonel? Because, you know, we have a lot of gypsies listen to our podcast. I don't I mind the gypsies. It's the tramps and thieves I don't like to me. I see. I see. And then she had been born in the East Indies, the baby born in Philadelphia. Oh, mm. Yeah, she was eventually sacked in November for setting fire to the beds. <laughs> that will do it, Brandy, if you're that a domestic uh, helper and you set fire to the beds. Mm. Uh, employers frown on that sort of thing. Yeah, Brandy. some people just want you to change the sheets, but it, she just said, fuck it. <laughs> Catching them on fire. Got, yeah. Gets out her big lighter and. Yeah, but of course, you know, we don't I, know what these freaks were doing there either. That, that is how you leave the job. It yeah. is. It is. Burn the goddamn house down. The fuck out. Yep. Yeah. I don't think she wants to put that job as a, on her resume, Brandy. Probably well, she not spent going to get Christmas it. of 1816 in France, but she returned to Devon in February 1817 by coach. Timmy. Not by Wagoneer this time. Coach. Now, coach travel was expensive. So she either got money from somewhere or she was putting those soft, uncallous hands to use to me. So she told her parents that the baby had died. Excuse me. And was coming to say goodbye before she sailed to the Indies. And it was about after 10 days at home, she sent a truck trunk on ahead and set off for Bristol, Timmy, to leave the Indies. Rather than go to Bristol, Timmy, you know what she ended up doing? What did she do, Colonel? Hitchhiking and begging on the road to Plymouth, Timmy. To Plymouth, Brandy. And then staying with a bunch of no-account gypsies. Yeah. She left the gypsies and went back to Exeter to Bristol and arrived in March of 1817. But for some reason, she was now looking for a ship to take her to Philadelphia and found she could travel steerage. Now, you know what steerage means? Explain steerage to her, Timmy. 
Well, Brandy, that means if you have no money, steerage is like the poorest uh, accommodations you can expect. Yeah. Five guineas. That's all. Five guineas? Which, yeah, she would have to try and raise that. She found lodgings sharing a room with a young Jewish girl named Eleanor in a respectable house belonging to a Mrs. Neal. The two girls went out begging in the streets together. Yeah, now this is the Mrs. Neal that, that ratted yeah. her out. Yeah. So they went now, out begging in the streets. Okay. After noticing the attention that the French lace makers from Normandy received wearing high lace headdresses, Eleanor persuaded Mary to use her black shawl as a turban to make her look more interesting. They tried this for a while, but Mary was restless again, left Bristol, still pretending to be French and using her own made-up language, begging at various places along the road to Gloucester. What is that town called? Gloucester. I've been there before, but I can't pronounce it. Hmm. The disguise proved successful until she met someone who could actually speak French. Yeah, that'll fuck you up every time. Well, usually all you got to do is put la in front of everything. (laughs) La bread. La car. Mm. That's all you got to do. It's pretty easy. This disguise proved successful until she met someone, again, who could speak French again. Mm. She was like, son of a bitch. Then she moved to Spanish, where she just (laughs) put L in front of everything. So it was now that she met the wheelwright's son, who helped to expose her later. (laughs) (laughs) He was going to expose her now and expose her later. He exposed himself and then exposed her later. <laughs> he sent her a dick pic. <laughs> he did. Or at least Brandy, have deep. you ever received a dick pic? Yes. Have you really? I went see oh, back in the day. You had to you had to roll them up and then put a little wax stamp seal on them and then have your that's, courier send them out to a woman. That's what I'm wondering is if it was you know a drawing. Well, that's what I'm assuming. Or was you know. Carved into. Have you been impressed, Brandy? Have you been impressed with the dick pics you have received? Let me tell you something. Just for everybody out there, no woman is ever impressed by a dick pic. Oh, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. If <laughs> for all you want. Now, apparently, the Mrs. Colonel has been impressed. Uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, they want. Unfortunately, they want mine, Timmy. But uh, <laughs> she well. spoke to him. And various other people they met on the road in her strange language. Mm-hmm. And they were all eager to help her. When she arrived at the pub speaking her la- lingo, the landlady said, what the fuck are you talking about? And then asked her in for a drink. Soon the whole pub was offering her food and drink, but she refused. <laughs> she slipped away, headed on roads toward Clifton, still accompanied by the wheelwright's son. <laughs> yeah, after, he's sniffing around. He's trying to get laid. Oh, girl. yeah. He's going to try to expose her. Mm-hmm. Soon after, they met two men, one of mm-hmm. whom spoke perfect Spanish. So Mary was, was forced to speak to him in her language, which, amazingly, he claimed to understand the Spanish. <laughs> Translating what she said and saying that her mother and father were following her along the road. So this guy's full of shit, too. Yeah. Now, for this, Mary was, it was an important lesson to Mary on how to use other people's expertise. Now, Mary grows tired of the wheelwright's son. And after letting him buy her a steak and a cup of tea at a pub on the way to Bristol, managed to lose him along the way. She slipped him. 
Yeah, she's she did. She, but she got, see? But she got, got that, that ste- she got that steak and cup of tea though. You <laughs> goddamn right, mean? she did. <laughs> yeah, they was at the Red Lobster. Stifting brandy. She did before you Red Lobster. <laughs> Red Lobster. Well, she's not stupid. You get the food first. Oh yeah, well. She stayed the night in lodgings, and the next morning started out on the road to Gloucester. Mm-hmm. Once again, assuming her character as she headed toward the village of Almondsbury and famous P- Princess Caribou. Mm-hmm. Despite making fools of everyone she encountered as Princess Caribou, there didn't seem to be any hard feelings. After a few years touring the United States as Princess Caribou, Mary had a strong desire to return to England to give up show business. She was she was a fucking Greta Garbo of moms, <laughs> is what she was. Yeah, well, she got on stage. She mumbled incoherently, <laughs> yeah. and then she walked yeah. off. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much what we do on you, live shows, Timmy. You see our audience like clapping, like not sure if they should clap. Yeah, <laughs> looking around. We clap. <laughs> well, she made one last appearance as Princess Caribou in a London gallery, where she charged vi- visitors a shilling to see her. The fake Would you pay princess, a shilling to see her, Brandy? Probably not. The fake princess, much like the fake queen we have on this show, then returned to Bristol and married Robert Baker, 10 years her senior, and set up business in Bedminster. As she has daddy issues, Brandy. She does. She's right up your alley. Mm-hmm. And you know what she sold, Timmy? What did she Leeches. Sell? An important <laughs> medical commodity. They're fucking golden in their leeches, Colonel. <laughs> there was. One of her clients was the Bristol Infirmary. That That's when they Marianne. used to bleed people. Have you yeah. ever been bled, Brandy? Uh, oh, well. Timmy, I'm bled every day. Every day. Bled just a little bit at a time, Timmy. <laughs> but didn't she finally did have a daughter, Marianne, <clears throat> around 1829, which would have made her, I don't know, by almost... 30 years old, getting long in the tooth for a woman of that time, Timmy. Yeah, I bet her hands wasn't so uh, uncalloused yeah, by that Yeah, they starting to get calloused by then, yeah. Mm-hmm. When Mary Baker died at the, in 1864, <clears throat> Timmy, at she the age of 75. She lived a long life. She was buried in an unmarked grave in Hebron churchyard in Southville. Her daughter, Mary Ann, Carried on the business of selling leeches instead of buying buying a mama a headstone. <laughs> the war does that. <laughs> well, we're assuming that and this is uh, early nineteenth uh, century, so we're assuming Mary is dead now as well. Brandy, get the daughter. Yeah, yes. um, and then I read that they had this little town has a uh, festival, and they dedicated a uh, statue to Mary or a or a plaque to Mary in their. Uh, in their courtyard. Your thoughts on that, Brandy? Your thoughts? You okay? I'm right here. What? Right. Uh, your thoughts, your final thoughts on Mary Wilcox, better known as Princess Caribou. She was not a good person. Why do you say that? She was a nice person. Yeah, she she was a nice person. What's, God, you judgmental. God, uh, do you have something you? against aging prostitutes? No, I don't have anything against aging prostitutes. Yeah, sounds like sounds I, like you're sounds like you're being a little judgmental on aging prostitutes. What's your thoughts, uh, Colonel? Final thoughts on 
I, wait a minute. Terrible. My thought is she took people's money fraudulently. <laughs> Not much. She took a steak now and again. That's all. And a tup, uh, oh. cup of tea. People were paying her for bullshit language language lessons. Well, well, they wanted to learn. Yeah, they wanted to learn what? <laughs> they want to learn shit. <laughs> Colonel, your final thoughts on Mary Wilcox, better known as Princess Caribou? I thought she was an entrepreneurial young lady, Timmy. Hmm. See, Brandy. I admired her. You know, here's the thing. It's like the moon. Some people see the dark side of the moon. Yeah. Some people see the bright <laughs> exactly. side of it. You see, you're a cup half full kind of guy, uh, Colonel. I am. That's I know I'm nothing if not positive, Timmy. Yeah. And Brandy is the yin to your yang. She's oh. the darkness, Timmy. She's the darkness to my light. What I love is that he's the cup half full kind of guy, but whatever you ask him, how you doing, Colonel? Well, I'm not good. <laughs> Seeing how she is, uh, Colonel, she, yeah. she constantly negative. Constantly negative. has to say bad things about me. Yeah. One day, one day, it'll all be okay, devil. It'll, it'll be okay. You'll get the therapy you need. And what? tell us what happened to you. What's your backstory that makes you this mean, devil? Yeah, would you like to tell us, Brandy? I had, you know, I've got two younger brothers and was raised, you know, to beat the shit out of them. So, I, I, you know, I got nothing. I'm good. Do you do you have a do you have a Christmas message for our listeners, Brandy? You know what? Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and all of that. Everybody, you know, hug your loved ones while you get to see them, even if you don't like them, because much like Chuck, next year they may not be around. <laughs> Colonel, do you have any a Christmas message? I know that you will probably do something on Christmas Eve at midnight. You'll you'll broadcast your message uh, to all corners of the world. I much like the Pope, will, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Much like the Pope. I, I would just like to say, "Im lex egum hoc." What does that mean, Colonel, in English? What Timmy, the lady that we just did the story. It's his made up language. Merry Christmas and a happy New Year. Yes, that's in her language, Timmy. I see. That's very good. You didn't know he spoke uh, gibberish, did you, uh, Brandy? <laughs> no, I was well aware he spoke gibberish. <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, give a shout out to our Patreon supporters, shall we? Let's. Uh, we would like to uh, thank all of the p- fine people who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us on Patreon, please go to patreon.com slash historydweebs where you can give a little, you can give a lot, or just a wee little bit to me. Yeah, let's go through these names. We really, really appreciate everyone who uh, contributes. Jim Seabright, Andrew Scamal, Tommy Lane, Jason Dykes, Terry Strafford, uh, of course, Malachi, Brandy McBride, Jennifer Savota, Per, Pear, that's Pear, right? He told me, he corrected me, I think, last time. Maggie Glover, uh, Gracie's mom, Erica Kinney, Hi Row, The Comeback Podcast, L.K. Bar Anots, I think I'm screwed it up. Reen, uh, Marissa Albernese, uh, our good friend and uh, someone we miss, miss dearly, Bridget Clavey, Phyllis Munson, Jennifer Riker Smith, Stephen Potts, Anna Garrett, uh, Ben, or uh, your Ursula, uh, also Lenick, uh, our good friends Clark and Diane Trowbridge. Beth Ann Wallen, Michelle Johns, Margaret McDonald, Aaron Turner, Jess, 
uh, Leanne Flanagan, uh, who, by the way, Colonel, you know, they don't say garbage over there. You know what they say? Rubbish, Colonel. Uh, rubbish. Rubbish. I don't like that. I don't like rubbish. It's garbage, right, Brandy? It, no, I think it takes it the garbage. it takes the hard edge off garbage. To me, they they don't like to make garbage feel bad. I see. <clears throat> They're so they dress there. it up yeah. a little bit. I got you, uh, Julia Rodriguez. It's the difference uh, between saying escort and whore, Timmy. I <laughs> see. Mike garbage Sadler, garbage. Jamie Dent, our good friend, uh, Tyrone, Marsha Boris, uh, Stacy Alsop. Jody and Sean Wells, Amber Anderson, of course, Ben and Rosanna from They Walk Among Us, who just came back from France, Lorna Violet, Michael Deo, Kelly Charette, Karen Russell Widener, and we have more Brandy, more wonderful people who support us on Patreon. We have Callie Jones, Colonel, the lovely Callie Jones, Lauren Meredith, Jessica Greeno. Mike Brown, our good friend with the P- Pleasing Terrorist podcast. You, you know what I think we should do, Timmy? What? I think we should all, all kick in. I think we should do another GoFundMe. For? Just to raise a few bucks to get a Cali cam. A Cali cam. So she can, Cali Jones could walk around. We could see her world. Get some we could see, I would world. like to see Cali's day every single day. Yes. Just strap, you know, those things you strap around your head like a, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. a GoCam. Get a yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure she would wear that, but we could ask her. But you know, be hysterical, Timmy. Our good friend Sarah Bloom and the lovely Amber Croup. Uh, we're thinking about you, Amber. Amber going through a rough Christmas, but we're thinking about you, Amber. Laura O'Reilly, Christine Bourgeois, Kimberly Cameron, Elise. History goes bump. Amber Trevino, Annette Petray, Lise Lara Lopes. Our good friend Alicia and Chip Mincy. Marquia Smith, Jeff and Don Chestnut, Andrew Happ, Karen Barnes, uh, Rachel Flynn, Shirley Strap, Todd Long, Melissa Montoya, Maja, uh, Karen, our good friend Karen uh, Garrett, uh, Colonel, your co-host on Rants and Reasons, uh, Carol Elise, Christian Malakinski, uh, Adams McWaters, Rants and Reason podcast with our good friend the Colonel here, Paula uh, Kimes, the Vanish podcast, uh, Canadian True Crime with our good friend Christy Lee, uh, the Insight podcast, our good friend Charlie, uh, and Ali uh, Angela Santos, Lydia Watson Fisher, Kim Stroop, Nicole Adams, better known as Mistress Vader, Ron Montesero, Tracy Smith, Bridget Bernard, Stacy. Cheryl LeBlock Weldon, Veronica Marino. We also would like to thank Chris Lane, Alexandria, uh, Elaine Baker, Vivi, uh, Mark and She, Amanda Lupus, Shannon Arnold, Kimberly Smith, Robin Sherrard, Ruth Keith Whitfield, Casey Kitchens, our good buddy Nick Johnson, Natasha Burgess, Julie Bitten. Patty Schmidt, the lovely, lovely Lady Beverly. We wish you a merry, merry Christmas, Lady Beverly. Rudy, Rudy, the wonder dog, who we uh, understand is spending the Christmas holiday with the Colonel and my mom. Well, he's he's distributing gifts, Timmy. Is he? To the homeless. I thought maybe he would be going home for Christmas, but he's staying there with you. He's staying here with me, yeah, this year. Okay. 
and my mom, Dottie Scott. Love it. Now, are you spending Christmas with Dottie, Timmy? Yes, yes, I will spend Christmas with... We'll give with... Dottie a hug for all of us. I will do that. We would like to thank all of you for listening. Uh, it's been another wonderful year, and we truly appreciate you listening, and uh, we, we hope everyone have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on History Dweebs. Bye, everyone. Good day. Bye-bye. Done? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.